How many of you enjoyed that new song we learned this morning? That was um, a powerful song. And uh, boy, you know what worship does? It, it points our eyes toward Jesus, right? It, it, uh, it focuses us on him. It gives him glory. It begins to really soften our hearts so that we can receive when we, um, when we come to a time on the word. And uh, just want to echo what Stephanie said. Thank you for making the extra effort to get here this morning. Um, I have a feeling that your Sunday afternoon nap is going to be a little sweeter today. It's always a little bit hard to lose, to lose sleep. And if you're not a parent currently, you may have forgotten what that feels like. <laughs> so it's good to be together. It really, really, really is. Um, I'm so grateful for these opportunities as a church family to come together. And um, we're going to continue on in our series. We started a series last week entitled Something Greater. And the thought was this, you know, Easter comes every year where we take that Sunday to celebrate. And Pastor Kyle already let you know, it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be a a family celebration, just celebrating what Jesus has done for us. But my hope is that this year, that as we lead up to that moment, that we, um, as we look at different moments in Jesus' life, we will begin to just have this sense of anticipation because Jesus began to point to that moment to that where he was going to be on the cross, he was going to take our sin. He began to drop some hints because he wanted people that when, when they got to that moment, it would, it would finally make sense to them. They didn't quite get it. But they would look back and they would think, that's what Jesus was talking about. These were the things we couldn't quite understand. It didn't make sense to us. But now we understand that Jesus was pointing to something greater. And, and you and I are blessed to live in that something greater uh, period of God's plan where we know the presence of God in a way um, because of Jesus that just wasn't available before. And so last week we looked at the clearing of the temple and how Jesus began to say, you know, this temple system is going to be obsolete. And we looked at how in our world we understand how things become obsolete. Technology has this planned obsolescence where uh, eventually you're going to get a need to get a new device because it won't support the latest upgrade or whatever it is. And that's planned into uh, a lot of the technology that we use. It's there. It's on purpose. It's for financial gain. So we get this idea that things are just no longer useful. It seems to happen so quickly in our world, the way technology uh, moves along. Um, but I read something this week that you might find humorous, and it has to do with, uh, with how technology looks very different now than it did in the previous generation. So just listen as I read this. It's a perspective of a father. And he said, I asked my daughter if she had seen my newspaper. She told me that newspapers are old school, Dad. She said that people uh, these days use tablets, and she handed me her iPad That fly didn't stand a chance. You'll get it in a minute. Conversation with Nicodemus. I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 3. We are looking at something greater that Jesus began to point to. And in this passage, we, we come back to this conversation with this man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a religious man. He's sensing that God is at work. When he looks at Jesus, 
He's thinking to himself, uh, I can sense God at work when I look at the life of Jesus. He comes because he's curious. He wants to learn more. And just before we read, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to the word of God today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Holy Spirit, we are dependent on you that the living word would become life to us this morning, that, Holy Spirit, you would, you would open our eyes, that there would be revelation this morning in our spirits in a new way that we would see you, Jesus, and that your word would do its work in us, that it would, it would set us free, that it would help us to grow closer to you, that in some way we would be transformed by your word. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John chapter 3, I'll just read, read from verses 1 to 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And this is such a familiar passage of Scripture, but here we find... This, um, this man named Nicodemus who, who was so curious about the power of God that he was sensing in Jesus' life. He had, he had observed Jesus and he began to think, man, God is at work here and, and I am, I'm stirred to find out more about this power of God that I see in Jesus' life. And so he goes to him under cover of darkness and he began, he began to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you would not be doing what you were doing unless the hand of God was on your life. I sense the power of God when I watch you in these last years of your ministry, I sense the power of God. And, and so he just came and he kind of made that declaration. And Jesus, Jesus in return, um, begins to point him to something that needs to happen in his life. And, and Jesus says this, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, You will not enter or experience the kingdom of God. What you see in my life, Jesus was saying, is indeed the power of God. You're reading this right. 
Nicodemus, but if you want to experience the same power of God in your life, something needs to happen. You need to be born again. And so Jesus says, hey, you're headed in the right direction. But in order to truly experience the power of God as you're seeing it in my life, in Jesus' life, then he says this, you need to be born again. And so Nicodemus begins to struggle with this concept, as any of us would, I'm sure, in that situation. You know, what does it mean? This is a physical impossibility, right? He's saying to Jesus, okay, Jesus, I know that, that I'm, I'm a grown man. I can't re-enter the womb of my mother and be born again, right? So in, in a physical way, he knows that this is an impossibility, what Jesus is talking about. But in this question, he asks this question, he says, can a man be born when he is old? And I want to explore that question a little bit because I believe that Nicodemus, in that question, there's a deeper question. And the question that really was at the heart of Nicodemus and is at the heart of all of us is the question, can, is there hope for change? Can we really change? Can human nature really change? Is there a moment in our lives where we can start over? You know, a newborn baby is just beginning. There's a new beginning there. And when we look at our lives, perhaps we ask that question, is there any hope for decades of ingrained habits in our lives to really change? Is there any hope for ingrained struggles that, that I've, I've struggled with for decades? Is there hope for a new beginning in that? Can human nature really experience change? And we could put that word transformation in there. So can a man be born when he's old? You know, we look at our lives, and I think we would say that, that the, the, the more you grow, the, the longer you live, the more ingrained you get in your habits and in your hang-ups. Would you say that's not true? And it becomes more and more difficult to actually change. We, we can get pretty stubborn, can't we, in our patterns and in our preferences and perhaps in, in the negative parts of who we are. And um, how many of you know that men are often characterized as being really stubborn when it comes to going to the doctor? Husbands, have your, has your wife ever said to you, why don't you just go get checked out? And you just say, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and weeks go on, months, maybe years. Well, someone decided they were going to tackle this stubbornness in men head on. And they were going to try to shake them out of that stubbornness to get them to, you know, get to the doctor when you need some help. And so they created this billboard. I think you might have seen it before. We're going to just, you know, we're going to call it like it is. Men are stubborn. And this is what they put on this billboard. You read it, this year thousands of men will die from stubbornness. And a man went and spray painted on there, no we won't. (laughs) The, The point is this, that perhaps in that question that Nicodemus was asking, perhaps he saw things in his heart that had been there for decades and he's asking Jesus, you're telling me Jesus that there can be a brand, there can be a new beginning in my life? Where, where, where I can actually experience change? I can experience transformation? Can, can an old man be born again? Can, how can that happen? How can we experience change in our lives in areas that have been dead for so long, things that we've struggled with for so long? And I think in that question, Nicodemus is asking a question that resonates with us. Can newness come to old places in my life. Is that possible? You may have heard that question put this way. Can a leopard really change its spots? 
and actually find that question in Scripture. Can a leopard really change its spots? And, and last week, Carrie Lynn showed us that picture of that Dalmatian, right? And, and if you weren't here, there was a slide of a, of a Dalmatian. A Dalmatian, we know that by its nature, it's white with what? With black spots. And then beside that Dalmatian, they were sitting three or four little kittens. We know that cats cannot become dogs as much as they might try. But someone had painted those kittens white and had painted black spots on those kittens, but, but they kind of looked like Dalmatians. But you knew, hey, listen, there is nothing about a cat that, that is the same in nature as, as a dog. And so you can try to make it look like there's been change happening, but we know that that has not happened. And so the whole point is, uh, can, the whole question is, can we actually change? Is that possible for human nature? It's a legitimate question. And so Jesus begins to point to this analogy of a new birth. How many of you remember how fresh a newborn baby smells? You know, if you could bottle that smell and sell it, you, you might be a wealthy person, right? But, but a newborn baby, if we look at this analogy for a minute, a, minute, a newborn baby is, is fresh from the womb. It, it has not had time to acquire habits and things in its life that are negative. It's innocent. We are born with a sinful nature, and that's why Jesus had to come. But in terms of that little child beginning to learn behaviors or, or beginning to express it's sinfulness. It hasn't happened yet. It's a fresh, innocent, newborn baby. There is a brand new beginning. And we all came into the world that way with a sinful nature and yet untainted, as it were, yet in our behaviors and in our, in our attitudes. We were unbroken yet. However, when we look at our lives, we realize that as we grow we begin, uh, we begin to realize that this world is made up of little babies that were born innocent. And they grow up to, men and, to be men and women who, who are broken and who, who display their sinfulness and, and who need the touch of Jesus in our lives. And so Nicodemus asks the question behind the question, can we find hope in our brokenness? Can we have a new beginning? Can there be a reversal of what we see that's wrong in ourselves and in humanity? And Jesus answers him back and he says this, there's a work of God through his spirit that can lead us to a new beginning. Nicodemus, if you're going to experience what you, what you see in the life of Jesus, Jesus is saying, then something needs to happen in your life. And yes, the answer is yes. There can be a new beginning in your life. And it begins with the work of the spirit of God in your life. And he began to point Nicodemus to, this, uh, to what Jesus was bringing, which, which was transformation, right? That's our theme for this year. And Jesus began to say, Nicodemus, it is possible. That is why Jesus came, to deal with our sinful nature, to deal with our brokenness, and to bring hope for change, to bring hope for transformation, that we do not have to live in places of bondage anymore. And yes, there's still struggle, but our reminder this morning is that Jesus came to allow the power of God to be at work in your life and in my life so that those things that hold us captive can be broken in the name of Jesus. And that's, that's what Jesus began to point Nicodemus to. Nicodemus, yeah, can, a, can an old man be born again? Yes, he can. Yes, there's, there's a newness that can come into our lives. And so Jesus begins to point Nicodemus to spiritual birth. 
And he uses that analogy of birth. Yes, God can do a work in us that only he can do. You know, 600 years before this conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus, there was, there was a moment where another question was asked, and this came to mind as I was studying this week. And it's a similar question that was asked to a man who lived 600 years before Jesus. And, and this time it was God asking the question. And you're going to know this question as soon as we see it. It's in the book of Ezekiel, and God asks this question to Ezekiel. He says, can these bones live? Can these bones live? So here's God. He's giving this, this man called Ezekiel a prophet. He gives him this vision, and then God poses the question to him, a very similar question to what Nicodemus is asking. He's saying, here's a valley of dry bones. This is a place of death. There is no life in this valley. And he asks Ezekiel, can this change? Is it possible that this place of death can now become a place of life? Can these bones live? And I want to read that for you. Would you turn with me? I know it's going to take a minute or two, but Ezekiel chapter 37. I just feel like we need to take a few minutes to read scripture this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verses 1 to 14. And and if you're just listening, if you don't have your Bible with you, would you just listen? Maybe you need to close your eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring this image to your mind through Scripture. So this is Ezekiel speaking. The title in my Bible is The Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel said, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of the valley, It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. It's almost as if God was saying, listen, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a real good look at this valley. So he leads him back and forth among that valley of bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of that valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's like Ezekiel saying, God, apart from you, no. But God, you know. Can this be a place of life? You know, God. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the sovereign, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them but there was no breath in them. And I want to pause for a moment because I think this is where Nicodemus was, where, where Nicodemus had, he had a form of religion, right? He, 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 he didn't yet experience the Spirit of God in him the way you and I do. And so there was this form of religion that Nicodemus knew, and yet it was dry. And Jesus came to change all that. And you know, the, the tragic thing is that we can do the same thing in our walk with God, that we can begin to settle for a form of religion. So the form might be, I go to church every Sunday, but the rest of the week I don't experience the power of God in my life at all. 
And so there's no life in it. And we've settled with the form of religion. That's what religion is. It's just a form. There's no life in a form. There's no life in, in, in just going through the rituals. And so I believe that's where Nicodemus found himself. And, and he was hungry for some life. And he saw it in Jesus. And, and he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's going on? I'm hungry for something more. And so I believe this is where Nicodemus was in his walk. And so a form, but no, but no breath. You know, there's a scripture that says that in the last days, that there will be a people that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And that's a warning to the church. It really is that, that we can have a form of religion. You know, from all appearances, we, we come to church and we seem to, to have a relationship with God. But, but in, deep down in us, we know that, that we're not living the power of God in our lives. And we have a hunger for something more. And so, so Jesus begins to point us to that, to that something more. And so let's continue on. So there's, these bones have come together. There's tendons now. Now they've taken on flesh. There's a form there, but there's no life. It's dead. There's, there's no life in that body yet. And so he goes on in verse number nine. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So here, here's what we learn as well, that at one point there was life here, but somehow death came. Breathe to these that have been slain, Scripture says. So, so somehow at, at one point there was life, and then, and then those bones just became dry, and there was this place of death. And God says, you're going to live again. And perhaps in our lives that... We go through seasons in our lives where we realize that our relationship with God is, is just a form, but there's no life in it anymore. And God says to you today, you're going to live again. I'm going to breathe on you again. There's going to be a freshness in your walk with me. So let's see what happens. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life. And they stood up on their feet, a vast army. And then God said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves, and I will bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will be my people, and you will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. What a powerful passage of scripture that reminds us today that if we have slipped into a form of religion and if we realize when we look at our walk with God that there is no life in it anymore, that we are hungry for the breath of God, that this is a promise that God says, I will bring you back to life again. 
I will breathe on you again. You will not walk through your relationship with me like it's a valley of dry bones, devoid of life, but you will begin to experience the Spirit of God working in you in a, in a new way. You know, what a, what a reminder to us this morning that we are to just be hungering for the Spirit of God to be at work in our lives, and it is possible for our walk with God to look like that valley of dry bones. And it is possible for us to get to a place where we say, there is no hope for me. There is no hope for this area of my life. And I believe that this morning that God wants to remind us that he has put his spirit in us. And his his message to you is, you will live. You will live. That's the power of God. That's what Jesus was coming to bring to our lives. That's why he went to the cross. And this passage of scripture points us to that place where, G, where God says, there will be a moment where I will put my spirit in you and you will live. The valley of dry bones is going to experience the breath of God. And so, so Nicodemus didn't know it, but he was dead. Because spiritually speaking, before we put our faith in Jesus... Our spirits are dead to God. God can work drawing us to himself. That's the work of the Holy Spirit before we come to faith in Christ. But in terms of having a relationship and experiencing an intimacy with God, our spirits are dead. But when we put our faith in Christ, what we read in Ezekiel happens and, and the Spirit of God comes to indwell us. And then we begin to walk in the power of God. That's what we're intended to do. Not a life of religious ritual that's dead and dry. And if we're relying on a form of religion, that's dead. There's no life in it. And so Jesus was simply saying to Nicodemus, listen, you can experience something new in your life. And it comes as you begin to to look to me. And so Jesus, um, Ephesians chapter 2 gives us, gives us a glimpse of what we used to be like, and and we're not going to read it uh, for the sake of time. But Ephesians chapter 2, 1 1 to 10, I'm just going to read that first verse for you because it's a reminder to us that before we put our faith in Jesus, we are really dead in our sin. Ephesians 2, 1 says this, As for you, speaking to the church, speaking to you and I, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which... You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And it goes on and says, we follow the cravings of our sinful nature. And so before we put our faith in Christ, in the, in the absence of the spirit of God's work in us, there are some things that were guiding our life. And, and he points out three things in that passage. There's, there's our sinful nature. There's the ways of this world that we followed. And there's the ruler of the kingdom of the air that we followed. And so before we're brought to life spiritually, those are the only things that are left to to guide us in life. And so we chase after our sinful cravings and our desires. Those are the things that that kind of we run after. If I can can satisfy this craving in my life, then I I will come to life. Well, no, but that's what we used to live like before we experienced the life of God in us. We followed the ways of this world, Scripture says. And then the third thing that we followed was the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And so 
we're reminded that before we come alive to God, it's our sinful impulses that guide us. It's our fallen nature in us that wants to be as God and to determine what is right and wrong. And then we have an enemy of our souls who's trying to encourage that part in us. Yeah, you can live as, as God. You don't need God. And what the enemy tries to do is fuel that in us. And, he, and his whole desire in, in terms of the world is, is to create this thought that drives us away from God. It began with Adam and Eve, right? You don't need God. You can make your own choice. Someone used this analogy recently, and I want to just share it with you because I think it's such a powerful one. I wonder if you've ever flown a kite before. Anyone here ever flown a kite? Probably many of you. You know, there's something about flying a kite that, that is, is uh, it kind of brings out the youth, youthfulness in you. Maybe you, if you're feeling old, this summer, buy yourself a kite and go fly it, okay? It'll help you feel young again, something about it. In fact, if someone says to you this week, you know, go fly a kite, take it as a compliment. Sure, I'll go do that. But if you've ever flown a kite, you, there's something about seeing it soar, you know, up into the sky. It catches the wind and it's just... It's kind of free from the earth, right? It's, it's flying, something that captures our imagination about that. But perhaps as you were flying your kite, if you can think back to however long ago that was, perhaps as you were flying your kite, you, you thought this, this thought came to mind, and it kind of went like this. You know, that kite deserves to be free. It deserves to be set free from any constraints. And perhaps you felt the tug of that kite on the string that you were holding, and maybe you thought to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm kind of holding this kite back from really flying higher. And, and, and perhaps if that kite could be set free from any constraints, man, it would, it would reach some new heights. And so you let go of the string. And what happened to the kite? Well, it may have actually gained a bit of altitude for a moment, but then it, it starts to just lose control. It doesn't have direction anymore. And eventually it nosedives into the earth. And you begin to realize when you see a kite flying, it's tethered to something, right? A kite will not fly unless it's tethered to something, unless it's anchored to something. And, and, and our world would tell us that, you know, you don't need any, the, the way to freedom is to remove every constraint from your life that's possible. You don't need any boundaries around your sexuality. That's holding you back. You don't need God. And he's just a crutch. And when Ephesians tells us that we used to follow the ways of this world and the ruler of this world, it's that mindset. There is a spiritual reality behind that thought, and it's the enemy trying to get us to walk away from God and to live as our own God. So there is an enemy that fuels that, that world thinking. And you and I used to live in that. And perhaps you used to think that very thought. Man, if I can remove constraint from my life, I'm going to fly higher than I've ever flown before. And I don't need God. I don't need any kind of morality. I don't need anyone to give me any kind of guidelines. Those are just restrictions. And if I can get rid of those things, that's the secret to life and happiness. And we hear that message all through our society. And our young people are hearing that message over and over and over again. Untether yourself from anything, any constraint, and you will find satisfaction. And it's a lie. It's a lie. You see, an untethered kite, if we look at that analogy, it's, 
It's really a picture of what can happen to the human soul. Because we were not, we were not made for detachment from God. You are given a soul when God creates you. And you are given a spirit when God creates you. And you were not made to live life untethered from your creator. And while that's the message of the world, scripture reminds us that's a, that's a path that leads to death. And the path that leads to life is staying tethered to God and allowing him to be Lord of your life and living in relationship with him. And that's where we experience fullness of life. And so when, when Jesus said to Nicodemus that day, you must be born again, he was pointing to something greater. He's pointing to something that we could experience because spiritual birth means life. Jesus offers us spiritual life. And then, and then he gives Nicodemus a bit of a hint as to how it's going to happen. And we're closing with, with this scripture. If we continue on reading in John 3, he says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, So it takes him back to the nation of Israel. A moment. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Nicodemus wouldn't have known what Jesus was talking about. But Jesus was pointing to the cross. Jesus was pointing to the fact that soon he was going to be lifted up on a cross and that, and that by putting our faith in him, that we would experience spiritual birth. We would experience the spirit of God in us. And so he references this moment in, in the nation of Israel where they had been wandering in the desert because of their own sinfulness, their own unbelief, and, and they became discouraged They became impatient with this whole process of desert wandering. And so they began to to grumble against God and against Moses. And and God sent snakes into the camp, and and people began to die as a result of their, their sinfulness. And so they realized, you know, we've sinned against God, and they went and they repented uh, before God and before Moses. And, and Moses went to prayer, and he said to God, God, what do we do? And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to make a, a bronze serpent, and I want you to put it on a pole in the camp. Raise it high above the camp on a pole so that whenever anyone is bitten by a snake, they can run to that pole, and they can look on that pole, and they can, be, they can escape the death that is inevitable for them. And really what that became was, was, was a picture of what happened at the cross where when you and I gaze on Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we escape the death that sin brings, the eternal separation from God. And when we gaze on Jesus, we can find life. And, and death that is a natural result of our sinfulness and separation from God eternally, that, that can be erased, that can be overcome And so Jesus was simply beginning to point Nicodemus to what he was going to do. And the day would come when Jesus would be lifted high on a cross. And whoever would come and gaze on him and put their faith in him would be brought from death to life. And that is the message of the cross. That when we put our faith in Jesus, at that moment, the Spirit of God comes and indwells us. At that moment... You are born spiritually. At that moment, there is a new beginning that you can experience as the hand of God begins to work in your life. 
And so Jesus was pointing to something greater. Jesus offers us a new beginning that leads to a new way of life, not one without struggle, but that leads to experiencing the power of God in our lives, that we can live in freedom from bondage to things that once held us captive. And it begins with that step of faith of putting our faith in Jesus. I'm just going to ask Stephanie if she'd come back, and we're going to take a moment just to respond today. And I want to ask that you would consider those two questions that we looked at a little bit earlier. I feel like this is how we need to close. And would you take a minute? The two questions are this. Can a man be born when he is old? It's, it's the Nicodemus question. Can there be a fresh start in my life? The, these patterns that have, have plagued me for so long, can they change? Jesus, can you really, can you really deal with me at the at the place of my failures and in the place of my brokenness. And then the second question that we come to today is the question that Ezekiel was asked by God. Can these bones live? Can there be life in the valleys of our journey? Can there be life in the places of brokenness? Can there be life in the places where you have given up hope and you feel like that's a hopeless place? I'm never going to gain victory in that area of my life. I'm never going to get healing from that place of brokenness. And this morning I believe that as we consider those two questions and we, we remember that the answer is yes because of Jesus. The answer is yes. And so just take a moment. Would you allow the Spirit of God to begin to talk to you about a place in your life that is like that valley of dry bones. There's brokenness there. There's pain there that you've never been able able to overcome. And I just believe this morning that that the Holy Spirit wants to begin a work in those places. And that where you have given up hope, where God will begin to speak to you, and say, you will come to life. You will experience the power of my Holy Spirit in those places. Just take a minute. You may you just want to just quietly close your eyes or sit. But would we take a minute? Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you today. <laughs>